Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Spider-Man Homecoming on today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Spider-Man Homecoming, the newest MCU film and the first uh, standalone film for Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe after his debut in Captain America Civil War last year is receiving an incredible amount of support from critics and fans. Um, it's, it's blowing its box office predictions um, by a significant number currently as, proje- as far as projections are, are concerned right now. And everyone, everyone seems to love it. I, I very much enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun watching this movie. I think it's very good. And I do think that it is not the best Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. Uh, I, I still default to Spider-Man 2 for that honor. But it's, it's a very slim margin. Um, it's it's three points on my spreadsheet. Uh, I gave Spider-Man 2 an 80, and I gave uh, Spider-Man Homecoming a 77. So uh, as far as yearly ranking, um, that puts Homecoming at rank number seven for me this year. As far as uh, MCU ranking, it puts it just ahead of Doctor Strange, and just behind Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Uh, so, good company. You know, I think I think all three of those films are, are really good and have done uh, a really good job at expanding this world and, and, and getting us to understand these characters. And so, it's tough for me to kind of differentiate, you know, Homecoming. It's It's the first kind of teen movie that, that the MCU has put out. It it's definitely skews a lot younger than any of the other films before it. Um, a lot of the cast is significantly younger than the majority of, of the rest of the cast in the MCU, particularly the main players, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Pratt, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, etc., etc., etc. And so uh, th- it's interesting to figure out where this movie fits into the greater scheme of things. And a lot of people have pointed to the reason that this movie has succeeded so far is because it isn't trying to set up the greater MCU further down the line. And for the most part, that's true. Um, it's not precisely, you know, it's not Civil War. It's not, you know, it doesn't bring a million characters into it uh, in order to um, further a huge plot narrative. It doesn't have anything to do with the Infinity Stones. It doesn't have anything to do with Thanos, uh, in that regard, um, it's just about Peter and his trying to come to terms with who he is as Spider-Man, who he is as Peter Parker, and where he kind of fits in to the world in that sense, which is a, a very good plot line. You know, we don't need every single movie to find another Infinity Stone to, um, recruit more and more allies in the upcoming infinity war you know we we it seems at this point we have all the people we need um with notable exceptions being um like captain marvel or 
um, I guess kind of the wasp, I guess a little bit, but, um, so like, I think this movie did a really good job of introducing a lot of characters that are kind of, uh, exclusive to the Spider-Man films. You know, you've got all of his friends in school who I would be shocked to see them show up in like an Avengers movie for the most part. Uh, you've got, um, and then all of the people he associates with outside of his friends are, uh, bad guys who generally don't show up again, uh, particularly the lower level villains, as well as, uh, you've got, you've got Aunt May who will probably definitely be in all the Spider-Man movies for sure. Um, probably won't be in most of the Avengers movies uh, unless to provide probably comedic relief. But then every other character that uh, that Peter interacts with is an already established person in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, he is, interacts with Tony Stark, Iron Man. He interacts with Happy Hogan, who is in all the Iron Man movies. So we already we have that very blatant and overt tie between Spider-Man and the MCU but the movie still manages to never feel like an Avengers movie, like Civil War. It, it always seems to keep itself separated from the rest of this, the goings-on, you know? There's no talk about what happened to Thor, what happened to Hulk, and, you know, the upcoming movie they're going to be in. You know, there's barely, outside of the opening sequence of the movie, which I thought was really enjoyable, it was really funny. Outside of that, you know, there's not a huge reference to um, all the events that have happened, uh, it's just kind of building up this one character, and that's good, we need that, you know, we only saw a glimpse of him in Civil War, we need to know more about Peter Parker, and what makes him tick, and how, where his motivations are, and what he's aiming to be, and aiming to do, and so that's what this movie was really setting out to try and accomplish. On the other side, uh, it has the unfortunate problem and, and attempted solution that every Marvel film has tried to, to come up with since the first Avengers movie, and that is, how do you characterize your villain? How do you set up your villain to be compelling and interesting at the same time? You know, we were lucky. You know, in Avengers, we knew all the main characters, and we'd even seen Loki already. You know, we didn't have to build up so many people at once to get such a great villain and out of Loki. And so... In this, you know, we haven't seen Michael Keaton as the vulture before. He does get uh, an opening scene to kind of show you where he's coming from. And then there's a flash forward. And we check in on him throughout the film as we ramp up toward closer and closer to the third act and the finale. But <clears throat> all in all, I, th- I would have to say, I think he's a really good villain. I think his suit and, and his... his um, Supervillain alter ego is incredibly well designed, and they—I don't know that they make a hundred percent the best use out of it, but they make—they get real close, definitely in the ninety percentile there. Because there's a thing like the the way that the wings can separate and come apart, and like the feathers can become knives and cut things, or it can be used as not just a shield, and like the wings don't flap to fly. It's got fans on the inside of the wings. It's all so cool. It all makes a lot of sense. It all comes together incredibly well. So one of the best spider, uh, 
one of the best villains, definitely my my next favorite Spider-Man villain behind Doctor Doc Ock, uh, who I still think is is incredibly impressive as a villain, and you get a ton of great uh, action sequences and and exchanges between Spider-Man and Doc Ock in Spider-Man Two. And you get some really good ones between Spider-Man and Vulture in this movie. I don't think they're quite as good, though. I think they seem a little... There's a little less action-y in this movie. It's a lot more figuring out the best way to solve a puzzle, in a sense, than it is fighting. Which is truer to this character than it was to the old Spider-Man. You know, he... uh, Tobey Maguire... Tim McGuire's Spider-Man was far more fisticuffs oriented. You know, he goes to that wrestling match. That's how he gets his money. You know, we see that from the very beginning. Whereas this Tom Holland's Peter Parker Spider-Man is far more intellectual, far more trying to solve the problem, select the best tool for the right job. And it's all about him figuring out what actually the job he's trying to do is. But I think I think they do a really good job of of quantifying that and so i i think i love peter parker or i love tom holland as peter parker as spider-man he's much younger he plays it much younger and i think he succeeds at that um and i don't know that that's necessarily means it takes it makes him a better spider-man but i think it makes him a different spider-man i think andrew garfield was basically trying to be funnier than toby Maguire, whereas i think tom holland is actually putting his own twist and spin and, and approaching this character from a different angle and a different location. And it's successful. He, he's very good as Peter Parker and he's very good as Spider-Man. He, he has that childlike fascination and innocence with wanting to be part of the Avengers, wanting to be part of that team. And you see it early on where he's kind of, kind of forsaking his friends and ignoring the things that are happening at that level to try and elevate himself as spider-man in a completely different venue and so that's a huge struggle that goes on between him and within inside of him throughout the majority of the movie and that's kind of the crux of his uh his struggle his his conflict Uh, on the other hand you have a ton of sort of smaller characters in this movie that i kind of want to just go through and comment on um so outside of the big people uh you know you've got zendaya who plays michelle in the movie she has a very small role but i thought she was incredibly funny i you know she's quirky she's strange i don't think they ever overdid it they it always came they always went up right up to the line and stopped in my opinion i I thought she was great donald glover as aaron davis um, sort of a low-level thug in this movie, uh, seemed to be high all the time, which is fine, I, probably a choice. And I, I like Donald Glover in here, he was very funny. Tony Revolori, I didn't particularly like him in this. I thought he was, I don't know, I think he just didn't realize how he came off, maybe. I don't know, he seemed... He's playing Flash, and, you know, he's supposed to be a dick to Tony, or to Peter in the movie. He's supposed to be a jerk, 
but they also made him like part of his group of friends at the same time. I don't know. The, the dynamics there were, were difficult. I didn't, I didn't exactly like those like that. Laura Harrier plays Liz, the uh, love interest in this movie for Peter Parker. And I thought that she was fine. Um, there's a scene towards the end of the film that I don't think she quite conveyed enough emotion in. And I think she wasn't exactly on point with that. But I think for the most part, she's, she was able to be, you know, she's not just the love interest. You know, she is her own character outside of that. She has her own story and, and you find out what that is. And it's very interesting and it's very compelling. Uh, Hannibal Burress plays the uh, coach in the movie. Uh, he's he's quietly funny, quietly funny in this. Um, moving down, you've got uh, Kenneth Choi as Principal Morata. Morita doesn't really have a lot to do. Uh, Martin Starr plays uh, one of the other teachers in the school, uh, who also is the organizer of the uh, I don't know the the team that goes through the decathlon. Uh, you know the smart seminar students the gifted program or whatever the term that the this particular school is using and he has an incredible line uh after toward the end of the second act that's oh just it's kills you it's a dagger it's great let's see we've got michael chernis as uh phineas mason or kind of um the right hand man to michael keaton's vulture and I think he's very under the radar. He doesn't really come out too much. He, he's not given a lot to do other than just rep- repetitively suggest this other alternative plan that he wants the Vulture to try to do. And I don't know. He seems like he's more of like just a plot device in this movie. Jennifer Connelly voices uh, Spider-Man's suit. And I thought she did a great job. Um... You know, I don't know that anyone's going to ever be able to beat Jarvis, um, but but she does a great job as Karen. I, I really liked her in that in, as Karen. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, <clears throat> well, yeah. I guess any anything else I might say would probably be considered spoilers as far as casting decisions and characters showing up. Uh, so, so that's those are the kind of characters. I think all, most of the characters are, are generally good, um, with Michael Chernus being the the one that I don't think had any sort of positive qualities to, and was merely just a plot device. But everything else was was very tight. I, you know, it's a well written, uh, uh, very funny movie. It's a l- very very funny, uh, and there are a lot of just sort of montages or or sequences that. You, know, you don't even think about that the other Spider-Man movies would have, you know, steered around because that's not funny. That's not, or, or not, it is funny, but that's not interesting. That's not plot development. And it is plot development when your plot hinges on understanding and <clears throat> empathizing with and sympathizing with this main character, with Spider-Man, with Peter Parker. And so learning more about him in these sort of, mundane pedestrian moments that we get to see is incredibly important to this movie 
and it's a big reason why this movie succeeds as it does because a lesser director a lesser producer a lesser filmmaker would not have kept some of those scenes in uh, particularly for runtime issues you know this is a two hour and 13 minute movie and you could cut out a lot of sort of character based moments and definitely get this to under two hours but those are important moments in this movie and thankfully thankfully john watts realized that and then kept them all in and, and that was very appreciative i'm very happy he did some of the best moments and both best scenes are those elements those just personable um one-on-one learning who peter is learning who spider-man is elements and i'm, I'm glad we have those moments because in a lot of some of the other characters we don't have moments like that uh, so yeah i'm glad good it's good stuff it's good stuff um as far as the story motivations go you know so i told so i went through sort of the inner conflict that peter is experiencing his outer conflict is with the vulture and we get a decent backstory for michael keaton i would have liked a little bit more i don't think the explanation is as good as some people have been saying it is but i do think that it's better than most every other villain that's been in the mcu sans loki and it's uh it's interesting there's there's a very tense sequence um toward the middle i would say the middle of the third act is where i would place it that features probably the best uh, the best sort of drama in this movie and Keaton is so good in that scene he is, is fantastic in this scene he puts on a clinic you know he is a very good actor and and he makes the most of every moment he has as the vulture at, that he has on screen in this movie and I, so, you know, I don't think any of it is his fault. I think maybe one or two more scenes might have helped flesh him out to the extent that I would have liked to see him fleshed out. But as it stands, I, I'm, I can't be too disappointed with the way things turned out as far as as far as the, the, the villain and the enemy of this movie goes. He provides... You know, he's not the same as, you know, he's not like a, an, he's not Iron Man to Iron Man or, or just like another Captain America to Captain America. He's, he's a completely different type of thing. You know, he's a mechanical vulture-esque creature that fights a spider boy kind of thing. And it's nice to have something juxtaposed against something that's not itself and, and not facing off against its clone, its mirror image that's you know that's for a different movie you know we're not ready for that yet as far as spider-man's concerned but what we are ready for is the vulture who is you know he's not technically a villain you know he doesn't parade around and and you know hold up banks he doesn't steal from uh you know he's not you know nobody knows quote the vulture's name out on the streets you know you ask someone who the vulture is and i'm like who are you talking about but it's just a means to an end for michael keaton and his crew in order to get more money in order to earn a living you know that this is their livelihood this is their job and it's an interesting way that like 
it would have been cool if this movie had tackled that a little bit harder. And, you know, you always wonder, or you always got to think, like, well, all these villains, henchmen, like, this is their job. They do this for the money, and they do this, you know, to support themselves. And this movie comes close to sort of addressing that issue. It never quite gets over that hump, uh, which I think would have been incredible. But it does, it does do a good job of sort of bringing that topic up and, and this sort of suggesting that that is a, an, what is happening here, that that is what's going on. Um, as far as the set pieces go, you've got a couple big ones. Um, you've got the Washington Monument. You've got the boat. Those The boat is definitely in the trailers. I don't know if the monument is, but... You've got those, and then you've got the final, the finale. I think the finale is the best of the three. And I think that, you know, I think, I don't know. I mean, Washington Monument being a set piece is kind of stretching it a little bit as far as the action is concerned. But I do think, I think that the finale is the best action sequence in the movie, which is good i mean that's how it should be you know you're ramping up to that motion it shouldn't be like civil war where the best scene is in the middle it shouldn't be like baby driver where the best action best chase scene is early on and so i think that they te- they definitely like sort of structured the movie very well and so you know i'm i'm I want to love this movie. I think I want to think it's a great movie. I just I can't get there, and I don't know if it would take me a second viewing. Um, as it turned out, the theater I saw this in was absolutely packed at ten thirty or so in the morning. Uh, it like from the time that the actual movie started. So after all the trailers had played, from the time the movie started to maybe fifteen to twenty minutes into the movie, people were still finding their seat. It was a madhouse, and I was not happy about that. And my 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 girlfriend was not happy about that either. She was there with me. We were not pleased to have all this hustling, bustling, people walking up and down the steps in in front of us, um, heads getting in the way of the projector. It was just chaos, utter chaos. Um, I do think I was able to fully experience the movie, but... Uh, you know, that's not the same as not to be said for everybody who was there, I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, Spider-Man Homecoming. It's good. I like Tom Holland. I like Marissa Tomei. I, I like the functionality of Happy and, and Tony Stark being in this movie more than I like seeing them in this movie. I wish we could have seen a little more of of sort of <clears throat> Tom Holland on his own. But I understand the reason why they had it this way. Not just for the financial perks and, and things that it would afford them, but also for the... Um, also for the story elements. Like, the story does benefit from this... this inclusion of Tony Stark and such <clears throat> there's also uh there's one one actor character i wanted to talk about uh jacob batalon 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 who plays ned who's the best friend uh to peter parker kind of the 
Peter Parker's right hand, a la Michael Keaton and Michael Chernus. And he was fine. He was he was kind of. It seemed more like he was kind of. It felt like he was playing himself, being excited to see Spider-Man more than it felt like a character in a sense which isn't always a bad thing like there are a lot of scenes that like that comes off perfectly but at times it was pretty easy to tell that he was not kind of in at the same level as pretty much everyone else in this movie so like that's i don't know it wasn't a big issue in this movie i don't know if it will be in the next movie if he becomes a, a bigger or at least stays the same level as an as a character in this show in this series Um, and, uh, I don't know. I think that's kind of it. Like, I don't know what else I want to say about this movie. I'm not going to go into spoilers. Um, it's still so early from this movie. I, I've, I think you should go see it. I think it's going to be enjoyable. I, like I said, it's my, it's currently my number seven film this year. Um, behind Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, just ahead of Logan. And... I think I think I think it would definitely hold up under rewatch. I think a lot of people are going to go see it multiple times. But that's about it. I don't know. I it didn't stun me. It didn't floor me uh in the way that some other movies might have, you know, it didn't wow me to the extent that Wonder Woman did. I didn't think it was as inventive as Baby Driver or Get Out, uh, or John Wick Chapter 2. I think that it's very, very close and on almost, almost level playing field with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. But I do feel that Volume 2 was able to... It built on its established characters better than Homecoming built on its unestablished characters. Uh, you know, you have... You just... It's tough. It's really tough to sort of rank these things. As, but I, I do as best I can. I do as best I can. So that's Spider-Man Homecoming. Uh, the newest MCU film released by Sony, starring Tom Holland and Robert Downey Jr., among others. It's out now. It's been out. It came out this weekend. It's making a buttload of money. And I'm excited for more from Spider-Man. I'm excited by more from this world. It's incredible how, what legs the MCU has, you know. I don't know if they'll be able to keep up the momentum after Infinity War, but I, there's something's, something's got to give. I don't know. One of these movies has bound to be bad, and I just don't know which one it's going to be, because I don't, I don't think it's going to be Thor. I think this is going to be the best Thor in the fall. And then I don't, you know, I don't think Infinity War is going to be bad either, but who's to know? Who's to say? Who's to say? We'll, we'll see. So, uh, thank you all for listening. I appreciate all of you taking the time to listen to my voice and uh, my comments and my thoughts and opinions. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you may direct those to circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you're interested in checking out the um, Circle of Film Award 
nominations for this year or the winners from last year or any of the other episodes of the podcast, more information about me or the spreadsheet, you can go to circleoffilm.com for all of that information. And finally, as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from view.